I'll lie to the to the producers that uh, the 80s and 90s are not coming back. We are not gonna find that type of employees. So uh, we need to adapt. At the end of the day, we need to change the way we do things because uh, we do that, or we're gonna run a farm with just one person, and and that's not fun. So uh, uh, we we need to we need to change the way we used to do things, especially with people uh, reviewing job offers, uh, reviewing. Uh, the presence that we have in social media, in other platforms where we're going to find these these candidates or these people uh, compared to, uh, you know, the previous generation, like they, they don't use Facebook or, or uh, Instagram, anything like that. So we, we need to adapt and change at the end of the day so we can survive this industry. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here, you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Adiseo is a worldwide leader in animal nutrition, providing nutritional solutions and services which fuel predictable profits. Genesis, the first power in genetics. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Eastman Animal Nutrition. Visit EASTMAN.com. This episode's sponsored highlight is about Genesis. Genesis is the largest independent producer of high, healthy, registered purebred swine on the globe, having over 80% of all registered purebred breeding stock in Canada. The Genesis genetic program uses genomic selection strategies focused on productivity, faster growth, efficiency, high yield, and meat quality. To know more, go to genesis.com. That's G-E-N-E-S-U-S dot com. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Dr. Victor Ochoa, who is the director of Swineworks. How are you today, Victor? Very good, Laura. How are you? I'm doing very well. So I'm glad to have you on today. I think the topic's going to be really great for our audience today. Um, before we jump into it, though, I know there might be a few people who aren't familiar with you. And so would you mind giving just a little bit more background about yourself? Absolutely. So I'm a veterinarian. I actually went to school in uh, Mexico City. And I came in uh, the United States back in 2007 to work for, for Smithfield, actually, in one of these uh, TM programs. Uh, and then uh, after a few years, I moved on to PAC, and uh, then I, I pretty much started this company called uh, Swineworks uh, with me and my family. So uh, we've been we've been kind of successful over the last couple of years. So uh, we're excited excited to share some uh, experiences and, and knowledge about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. Some people may not be familiar with Swineworks, and I think that's a really good place to start. So you know, my understanding of Swineworks is that you help um, with immigra- immigration processes, particularly for individuals that we might be looking for from a visa perspective to help on on farm. Is that a fair summary of what you do? Yeah, yeah. We are a, a staffing company. Uh, we specialize not only on the visa part, but uh, we do a lot of uh, what happens behind the, the scene, uh, meaning we do a lot with uh, finding personnel, uh, interviewing them. Uh, preparing for their visas interview, uh, doing that process that is required for the visa, but 
At the same time, it's a process that we help a lot uh, human resources and uh, all the partners in, in the in the company. So, um, mm-hmm. and then after that, we we help a lot with, uh, for example, trainings and, and follow up with candidates. So it's just uh, it's not just the visas. It's it's, uh, it's a full service, I guess. That's nice. Uh, what we do. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And I, I think it's important too, and I didn't know this about you till I was reading your biography, is that you are certified in immigration law. Correct. So I thought that was actually really interesting. Yeah. So I get a certification degree from uh, Cornell University on, on immigration. I have an, an MBA as well from, from Colorado State University. So uh, it's more about the, the business side and, than uh, just production. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's that's really fascinating for me. So let's talk about that because I've done a handful of podcasts lately where we're talking about labor and what's happening in the United States. And so what are you seeing from from your side of the fence in terms of labor? Yeah, I think it's, uh, first of all, there's a, a big misunderstanding of uh, what's going on on the job market, on the labor market. Everybody right now is blaming COVID, right? And once COVID is gone, uh, we're going uh, back to normal, whatever normal is, depending on the industry. Uh, but if, if you pay attention, it's been almost two years since COVID. And we struggle to find people more than ever. So I think I think it's a it's a big paradigm that uh, I would like to change with the producers because uh, the the issues that we have right now, lacking uh, employees and, and workforce, is is not because of COVID. Uh, there is some other uh, problems that were brewing probably ten years ago, uh, where there is this switch on uh, the generation. Pretty much, we are we are losing all the ba- uh, baby boomers, so that represents people don't realize, but that represents about twenty five percent of the workforce. And when you remove that, and you add uh, the previous administration where they were very strict on on immigration, and pretty much they slow down uh, the influx of immigrants and uh, a workforce. Uh, they basically create a gap of almost between eight and ten mil- million people. Uh, in all the industries. So you're probably very familiar that in the swine industry, we've been struggling with labor for forever. I mean, I, I came to the U.S. for uh, for that reason, uh, uh, work for Admissville, because they were struggling to find people, and that was 10 years ago. The big difference right now is, uh, I believe this is just not on the pig industry, it's in all the industries uh, right now. So uh, something that uh, I want to to change the mind of the producer is uh, we need to prepare and we need to adapt because this is a new normal now. Uh, there is no way that we can find 10 million people right away to fill all the needs in the country. So uh, it's not because of COVID. It's not something that is just going to go away. So we need to start preparing for, for how we're going to find employees, retain the employees that we currently have, and and keep running our operation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm going to kind of jump in there for a minute. When you you were talking about a little bit on the immigration side, um, your business itself, are you working only with, with Mexico, South America? Or are you doing immigration from all countries into the agriculture industry? Yeah, currently, probably 90% of the business is uh, for TN. Uh, we have a little bit of H2As. With, let me go back with the TN. Uh, they need to come from Mexico just for, for people who's not familiar with, with this program, uh, Mexico or Canada. 
So 90, 95% of our business is based on the TM visa and we bring them from, from Mexico. We have a little bit of H2A clients and they can come from other countries. And just so you know, we are uh, implementing a J1 visa program, H1, and that's going to allow us to uh, to increase our, our, uh, our candidate pool uh, from other countries because uh, one of the restrictions of the TN is the nationality and, and that's restricting our, our candidate pool. Uh, so having more of a of a uh, of a larger pool is going to help us to to find better candidates and, and fulfill our needs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, are you finding a lot of people currently that want to come to the United States to work in agriculture? I'm, I'm trying to understand, I guess, where besides the fact that we we had some some issues with our previous. Uh, administration and, and so forth, but where's kind of the chokehold today, right? Where's the the narrowing? Is it that we don't have the applicants wanting to come, or is it more just the process of getting them through? Yeah. Uh, so the good thing with the the TM visa is that there is not a cap uh, on the number of people we can bring compared to the uh, H2Bs or uh, H1 visas. Uh, so it's not uh, that we cannot find them. The problem that is happening right now is obviously in Mexico. Well, in one hand, uh, there are a lot of opportunities uh, from the U.S. now looking into Mexico to bring those employees. So employees or candidates start realizing uh, and they start asking for more than they used to. Uh, so better salaries, better quality of life. Uh, so so it's, it's getting harder not only for that reason, but because it's getting more competitive. So we just need basically one one producer that raises the wage and uh, extremely high compared to other producers for for all the candidates to see it. So it's getting harder for us because, for example, we have over over a hundred uh, uh, clients, and the salaries they range from twelve dollars an hour to nineteen dollars an hour. So what is getting harder for us is, and we receive a, a client. Uh, that they are just offering $12, $13 an hour. But let's say they live in a different area. They live in the South. They live in maybe Missouri, North Carolina. Uh, compared to the other producers that are offering $20 an hour that they live in a more more expensive area. Uh, the candidates, they don't they don't know that part. The, 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 uh, the people in Mexico don't realize that the cost of living is different depending on the state and the area. So uh, it's getting harder for us to find candidates, not to find the candidates, but to have them accept the offer from even $13, $14 an hour. So that, that's a bigger challenge right now uh, that we have. And we are looking for other, uh, I guess, uh, advertising platforms uh, besides uh, social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's actually interesting. I didn't realize that there was that gap in knowledge in terms of cost of living in different locations. And it makes sense, right? If they talk to their friend and their friend's going to go and make $19, that's that's quite different, right? Yeah, and there is a huge difference on not on, not only on the on the salary part, but on the benefit side, uh, housing, insurance, four hundred one k. So uh, it's very hard to compare apples with apples uh, with that many many offers. So what candidates normally do, they just focus on the dollar amount, and, and that's it. So uh, I'm not saying it's the right or wrong thing to do. But uh, I guess my my advice for for producers is start looking into their offers and say, okay, what what is important to them? What really is important for this new generation, for these candidates, that they're going to be living in Mexico, sending money back to their their countries, and uh, 
maybe health insurance for one K is not that important for them, and how how can we remain competitive on their offer uh, by removing those those uh, benefits? Yeah, that was going to be my next question. What what are the most attractive pieces today to this generation when you're when you're talking to them about offers? Yeah, so this generation they they really value uh, work life balance, uh, right? So that's something that normally doesn't happen on a pig farm. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we cannot work remotely uh, in, a, in a farming house. Uh, we have to be there uh, Christmas, New Year's, all that. So uh, with that said, I think we need to be creative uh, in, in that way. How, how to create an offer for them that is more uh, appealing. So some of my recommendations that uh, we've seen that's been working out is maybe increasing uh, vacation day or, or uh, time off, uh, and that that seems like uh, is really helping. And the other part, like, like I mentioned before, they are sending met, uh, money back to Mexico or their countries. So 401k for me is uh, not for me. For me, it's important, but for a lot of time for the candidates, is not that important. Uh, insurance is very important, but they don't see the value. Uh, they are normally young uh, people who think they are never going to get hurt. Uh, so I will, I will make, for example, uh, that benefit optional uh, for them if they want to take it or not. So uh, I'll say if you if you focus on get an offer more uh, higher, uh, at the dollar wage, dollar amount higher, maybe offering, uh, there's a lot of producers, they still don't offer uh, uh, overtime. So that's really attractive for, for, for these candidates. And the time off, uh, we all know, uh, in the swine industry, we have a lot of downtime. If you want to go to another country, uh, a fair or something like that, so we need to keep in mind their families are in Mexico. So if they, if you only provide them with uh, seven days per year, and they have to spend four nights down before coming here, you are actually giving them only three days per per year. So it's just a little tweak uh, that we can make on their offers that will be uh, uh, a drastically change on on, on their perspective. Mm-hmm. My other question is, is what about transportation? So I, I used to do a program called Experience International, and I'd have individuals from various countries. And transportation was always one of the big questions and conversations we had, not just whether or not they had a license, but, you know, financially being able to afford a vehicle um, can be a great strain on people. And so what are you seeing there in terms of, of that need? Is it not a need anymore? No, absolutely. Absolutely. There is a need. Uh, for us in Swine Wars, we make sure all the people that we send, uh, one, are aware of the situation, uh, and second, they have a, a driver license. Uh, normally, a driver license is good for, uh, I believe, the minimum is 60 days in the U.S. Uh, with the international driver license that they have or the Mexican driver license that they have. So we make sure they have it. But but you are right. I mean, there is a completely or entirely different situation that we have in Mexico. We have a lot of public transportation uh, buses, vans that you can, you don't even have to know how to drive in Mexico. Uh, there is always uh, public transportation around. And there is uh, a different scenario in the U.S., especially on the pig farm where you are in a remote location. So that's definitely a challenge. Uh, how to uh, explain it and make them understand that uh, you have to save money for, for uh, buying a car. Uh, you have to probably bring your own vehicle, even though it's just good for one year. So. Uh, it is a it's, a it's a big challenge on transportation. We go around by uh, normally producers. They offer one vehicle per house, and they can share and ride along. 
or ask some of the current employees that have a, a, a car or a vehicle to to give them a ride to buy groceries and uh, things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that's what's important too is is what I've noticed at least is having that sense of community, right? So they're in another country, they may not be here for very long, um, language may may not be fully familiar with, and so you know how do we create that community and 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 you mentioned it, right? Housing sometimes is that opportunity where we can put them all in a similar environment, a couple of apartments close by. They can share a car. They can, you know, have their their cultural events, you know, and, and have that community. And it's again, is that something that's important to this generation, or is or is this something that I that's just from the previous generations? No, absolutely. Uh... I mean, they, they don't get attached to uh, material things that much. Like in the past that, you know, it always my dream was to have a brand new vehicle, a brand new truck. And that's still true, uh, but in a, in a lesser degree. Uh, what we've seen a lot is that, for example, uh, the first person that arrives to, to this location, they buy a car and they, they want to leave and they actually sell the vehicle to uh, somebody with another TM visa. And the same vehicle is getting sold three or four times because it's, it's more affordable that way. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's uh, definitely important. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to vary depending on the location as well. Uh, there are some farms that are uh, you know, nearby a, a, a big city uh, where they can farm a vehicle. There are other that are remote, in remote areas. So uh, it's going to be more difficult to go to groceries or go to Walmart or uh, doing something individually. So uh, I think that's very important. And, and you mentioned uh, something that is very important specifically to to this TM visa worker is a sense of community. So we're seeing uh, more success when we bring uh, a group of them and they live together, two, three, four of them live together versus when we only bring one person and they live, uh, he lives by himself in one house and he may have a vehicle from the company, but, uh, but uh, they tend to stay longer if they come with a group than by themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's kind of walk through if an employer is interested in, in bringing in a, a group of individuals from, from Mexico. Let's start there. Let's start with the TN visa. What does that process look like? Yeah, we Swangor, we really like the TN visa because it's very flexible compared to other type of visas. Like uh, normally on the swine industry, they use a lot of H2As or, or J visas. Uh, and I'll start with uh, some of the issues with these visas. And, uh, for example, with the J-1 is that they have to go back to their country for two years uh, before they are allowed to, to come back again. So that doesn't happen with the TN. Uh, with the H-2A, uh, you have the Department of Labor overseeing this program, meaning you have all these audits, you have to provide uh, housing, you have to provide transportation, their their entire stay. And they are not that flexible to change uh Duty. Let's say you promote somebody. Uh, maybe their activities are not uh, written down on their contract, so they might not be able to do it. And they still have to go back to their country, Mexico or whatever, whatever other country is. Uh, and those issues, you don't have them with the TN. So uh, with the TN, you are not required to provide housing, transportation, even though it's, it, I think it's a good benefit because, I mean, they don't know anybody they, when first just started. Uh, and and the other part is, is very quick compared to other programs. So, for example, right now it's taking us about uh, six to eight weeks uh, to process their visas. 
Uh, it can take longer sometimes depending on the embassy, but uh, compared to H1s, uh, A1s, H2As, all of those visas, uh, it's faster and more flexible. So every time we, we talk with a new client and that are interested in other process and other visas, we're trying to uh, lead them into into pick one of the TM visa program because you don't have to qualify for uh, the PERM uh, to any of those uh uh, certification certification that you need from the Department of Labor. So uh, that's why we really like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's important too to, to impress upon people who are maybe considering this route is it's important to work with a company such as yourself that's familiar with this process because just understanding the visas alone is, is extremely complicated, let alone the process of working with the embassies and making sure all the paperwork is in line. And so you know, for our audience who is listening, if you are considering this, I highly encourage you to work with somebody who who has that knowledge base for you. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, we have the experience so far. We have placed around almost seven hundred people in the last couple of years. Uh, but but the other part, there are there are a lot of recruiters popping up in Mexico. Uh, that and and you know the way it works over there is not always the legal way you know so uh, you need to be very careful when you start dealing with other companies especially if they are uh, overseas or in in another country uh, they they have to comply with the U.S. immigration laws as well and and all the U.S. laws not not only the immigration so a lot of the time those those uh, recruiters they don't even know those there's any regulations or laws that we need to comply with so uh, it's very important you work somebody with experience and uh, they comply with any any law or regulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we touched a little bit on this this new generation and some of the desires that, that they would have in that offer package, but how do we retain them, right? Because a TN visa um, worker can come back, right? They can come back and work again in, in the United States. And, and obviously, if we've had them train in our business, we would like for them to come back and consider our business again. So how do we help them with that? What's, what's the value there? I think uh, for this generation, the key word is uh, they want to feel what they're doing is meaningful. Uh, so everything that we do to to get to that point, uh, I think is very important. So uh, create a sense of community, uh, showing them uh, why we do things. It's not just processing pigs. It's not just power washing. Uh, showing them and train them, uh, but teaching them what is the value there uh, and why we're doing things. and and you know, we are feeding America. We are training the animals the right way. You know, uh, all of those aspects, uh, I think we tend to forget on a day-to-day basis. Uh, that part on, on the job side. And then on the community side, uh, you know, the majority of them, like I say, they, they have to come from Mexico under the TM visa. So uh, we have to treat them a little bit different according to their, well, our culture, because I'm, I'm Mexican as well. But uh, we, we tend to, you know, to be closer with uh, families and friends and relatives. And that's something that doesn't happen in all the farms. So uh, we've seen a lot of clients that they even actually offer the lowest amount of money on the wages and they have zero turnover. And we ask them why, and you know, and, and it's very interesting for me because I can see how, uh, the retention rate from a higher wage versus a lower wage. And, yeah, you can you can see where money normally is not the most important part, and when you talk to the employees, they tell you. I mean, they celebrate birthdays, they uh, have barbecues, they have parties. I mean, uh, they have a very very good feeling of of being in a family, even though 
I mean, they are in another country, another place. So I think uh, for me, that's a, that's a key with this new generation, uh, how you treat them, how you communicate with them. At the same time, uh, you know, we are dealing with millennials. So normally, or compared to other generations, you cannot be as direct as you would like to. <laughs> uh, they are going to have uh, a lot of feeling hurts if we treat them the way we treat uh, baby boomers or previous generations, you know. So we have to keep that in mind every time we uh, provide feedback. And that's uh, even uh, more important for, for the Mexican culture. We are even more sensitive to a negative feedback. So uh, things like that on the on the personal side, I think it's, it's more important than just the offer and, and just the money for, for this new generation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That was one of my favorite days at the farm is when we had potluck and everyone oh. would bring something in. And it was always fun, right? We had a lot of fun and we laughed and those were really enjoyable times. So I can see where community becomes important, especially when you're in a, a country that you're not familiar with and you're not familiar with, you know, much around it. That's that's what you have, right? Is that community within the farm. I think you so. have, at the end of the day, you have to create an environment where, I mean, they are far away from their house. So you have to create an environment that, where they want to be at the farm because that, mm-hmm. I don't want to be at home by myself, you know, missing my family, uh, you know, missing tacos or, or <laughs> whatever. I prefer to be at the farm where uh, I enjoy the people who I work with. I, I, I like what I do. So uh, we need to make sure we, we, are create, we are creating an environment that is uh, friendly for them and, and according to, to their needs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think you summed it up right there um, in that conversation, right? So we've talked a lot about the process of the visas. And I, I think it's been great just describing the difference in the visas to help our, our producers think about what one might be best for them. But really that whole point around creating that community and um, thinking about their needs and, and realizing, you know, they are millennials and they, they do have different needs and we have to continue to evolve as an industry to, to work with that next generation. And so um, absolutely. I think that was a wonderful Summary: Is there anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, I will. I will add to the to the producers that uh, the '80s and '90s are not coming back. We are not going to find that type of employees. So uh, we need to adapt. At the end of the day, we need to change the way we do things because uh, we do that, or we're going to run a farm with just one person, and and that's not fun. So uh, uh, we we need to we need to change the way we used to do things, especially with people uh, reviewing job offers. Uh, reviewing uh, the presence that we have in social media, in other platforms where we're going to find these these candidates or these people uh, compared to, uh, you know, the previous generation, like they, they don't use Facebook or, or uh, Instagram, anything like that. So we, we need to adapt and change at the end of the day so we can survive this industry. So you're saying you're going to get out there and put a few TikToks out to, to get people. Absolutely. To- That's the next step. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get creative. I'd love it. It is time to our famous three. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Swine Management to the Next Level, CloudFarms.com, Zinpro, Essential Trace Minerals, Exceptional Performance, Ivonic, We Are Sciencing the Global Food Challenge, Healthy Farms by Bioverse, Your Manure Management Experts. To feed the world's growing population, the animal production industry needs to grow in a sustainable manner. Eastman produces one of the broadest organic acid portfolios in the global market and offers customer-driven swine solutions. 
Learn more by visiting Animal Nutrition at EASTMAN.com. Well, as Victor, as we wrap up our time, we always like to ask our guest speaker a couple of questions you know, that are common across the group. And the first question we'd like to ask is, do you have a swine resource that you'd recommend to the listeners? Yeah, I don't have a swine resource, but uh, I read a book uh, about pigs that I think is very interesting. You'll find it very interesting. And it talks about the history of the pigs. Uh, not just, I mean, it talks about evolution and, and biology of the pigs a little bit, but it talks about more uh, on the cultural side of how we see pigs from mm-hmm. the beginning of the years. So I, I find it very interesting. I highly recommend to anybody who wants to learn more about the animal that we, you know, we take care of every day. And sometimes we don't know why uh, we do things the way we do it. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it will open your eyes and under, help you understand a lot of things about pigs that we do now. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I like to I read that. I forgot to mention one. the name. The name is Lesser Beast. Lesser Beast. Lesser Beasts. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I've never yeah, so heard I of that recommend. one. You're gonna love it. Okay. It's a it's a it's a quick reading, uh, but you're gonna really like. Okay, I'll take your word for that one. How about something that's not related to pigs? Is there a book you'd recommend to the group? Yeah, there is a an, well a couple of books. Uh, you like to. Uh, you know, talk about uh, philosophy, thing like that. I, I, I'm a big fan of Ayn Rand and uh, Atlas Shrug, one of my favorite ones. But uh, if you want to talk more about business, uh, I think uh, one of the most useful books for me was one called Defining Moments from uh, Joseph Badaraco. And uh, it, it talks about when you have to make a decision. And that's, that was a key point for me. Uh, that a lot of time we create a list, you know, uh, pros and cons. If I do uh, this, happen that. And that's not always the right thing to do. Sometimes you can do both. And uh, you just might have or start thinking outside the box. And that's something that, that really helped me during uh, my career. And, and I highly recommend to read that book as well. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Well, the last question we like to ask really um, is kind of a personal question. If you can think of someone in your life that you have defined as successful and success can look lots of different ways to many different people, what do you think um, is the trait about them that you think has allowed them to be successful? Yeah, uh, first of all, I'm, I think I, I will define success as uh, not always about money, it's doing what you really like to do at the end of the day. Uh, if you like to, I don't know, build a car, uh, that's what you dream for. I mean, that's success for me. So uh, and in that tone, I, for example, I'm a big fan of Elon Musk for that reason. Uh, you know, he has all the money in the world, uh, but his passion is uh, inventing stuff. Uh, he actually get rid of all his houses now and he's just living with uh, friends. Obviously, probably he's having a good life still, but, uh, but the key for me is uh, I really admire how he just, he just loved to... Uh, to do what he likes to do, you know, and uh, creating stuff, uh, inventing new new things. And, and for me, at the end of the day, that's what uh, su- success means. So uh, I will say that he's my one of my heroes for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. That's a that's really true. Right. Find your passion and and do it well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, again, Victor, we want to thank you for our time. And it, unfortunately, it is up. And I, I do enjoy our visit. So I, I want to thank you again. 
Um, for our audience, uh, if you missed the beginning of this, this is Dr. Victor Ochoa, who is our director of SwineWorks, which is involved in immigration and helping us with our visas. Thank you again so much, Victor, for your time today. Thank you, Laura, and I appreciate the opportunity. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.